Hello all, this is Radiate Radio's podcast Revoyager, a podcast inspired by NASA's Voyager Golden Records that carried hours long of recordings with the best music Homo sapiens have created. This music is accessible for whatever extraterrestrial life Voyager may come across. Here at Revoyager, we discuss what pieces of art we think extraterrestrial life should listen to, watch, and be inspired by. This will be a journey through time and space where we explore the best art us humans have to offer. Brought to you by me, Maya. Me, David. Me, Malena. And me, Firna. Great. So, in our last episode, we discussed the trailblazing musical icons of the 1970s. And today, we're here to explore the genres that blossomed in the following decade. And we made a Spotify playlist again with popular songs you want to hear from the 80s, so make sure to check that out on Radiate's account. Here you can also see our last episode about the 70s with its own playlist. Radiate Radio, your international sound for podcasts and more. The 1980s revolved around innovative and electronic sounds and visuals. Artists had the opportunity to expand their reach, send their message, and share their story. Tackling many aspects of racial injustice and systemic oppression, the rise in popularization of hip-hop highlights the pivotal role of empowerment and artistic protests in the fight for racial equality. Originating from the Bronx and Harlem during the almost collapse of New York of the 70s, Hip-hop started out with humble motives. It was a grassroots, locally-led initiative, thriving towards artistic expression and just having a fun Saturday night. Radiate Radio, your international sound wave. The high crime rate and lack of infrastructure and poverty in the outer boroughs endangered an already vulnerable group of young people, mostly of African-American and Latino origins. This increased their need and dependence for creative, productive outlets. Hip-hop's first Latin American DJ, DJ Disco Wiz, said it perfectly. He said, hip-hop was just poor kids trying to make their own fun, create their own platform. The only other options was either going to jail or the grave. It's a grim ultimatum, but a harsh reality for many. The development of the genre in the 80s goes hand in hand with its innovative artists and Mayor Ed Koch's multi-billion dollar investments towards the revival of Harlem, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. I feel like the less someone has to worry about the basics in life, like housing and you know where, when their next meal is coming from, the more they can focus on the nicer things in life and the more they can focus on creative stimulation. What do you guys think? Yeah, I can agree on that. Um, the hip-hop scene also really blossomed in the 80s. And this was like a way of expressing themselves that wasn't a thing in, in the decade earlier, in the 70s. So to go on on that, you might have heard about the golden age of hip-hop that occurred in the 80s. But yeah. like Maya said, it was um, created in New York's uh, boroughs uh, by the African-American and Latino community. Now in the 80s, this hip hop scene, this community also embodied breakdancing, gravity art and beatboxing. So the arts became really visual. And in fact, uh, in this period of time, many of these youngsters from these communities were actually unemployed, but 
Some found work as DJs and discos and learned the art of DJing. Then in the early 80s, these DJs started working together with MCs who would then rap on beats using rhymes and flows. And by doing so, they invented rapping. So this is what really sparked uh, the golden age of hip hop in the early 80s. So in this golden age, artists began creating catchy hooks for their singles, also creating uh, new subgenres such as rap rock. Um, Run, M- Run DMC was a duo from New York that adopted this style. Also, uh, jazz rap was created in which a tribe called Quest made a lot of songs by the use of samples. And if you find the use of samples interesting, make sure to check out our last episode where we dig a little bit deeper on that. So tell me guys, when you think of hip hop artists in the 80s, what is like the, the biggest names you, th- you think of? Uh, well, I'm not sure if it's like it's the biggest artist, uh, hip hop artist in the 80s, but when you mentioned Run DMC and how they kind of had this overlap with rock music, I think they also did a collaboration with Aerosmith, right? Yeah, and I think another another group to answer your question, David, uh, another group that was very prominent in the hip hop landscape in New York during the 80s was uh, Grandmaster Flash. Of course, uh, yes. And uh, I think an important thing that happened in the 80s with hip hop music was that it transitioned from like the underground uh, clubs and it was kind of like this exclusively black thing that was, uh, as uh, Maya said in the introduction, it was associated with poverty and um, uh, and the the black community. And then throughout the 80s, it kind of transitioned into um, a, a, a tool for expression and it became uh, commercialized and mainstream and, um, the reason why I mentioned Grandmaster Flash is because they were very important in that transition um, because they they have this song called The Message. Uh, that song, <laughs> that song became uh, important uh, because it was a politicized hip hop song, which was a new phenomenon. Um, don't remember exactly what year that was um, released in, but after that, that marks kind of like a, a new new era for hip hop. Radiate Radio, your international sound wave. It played a more serious role in the community uh, because it became a tool for expression and saying your political opinions. Yeah, I think it's very interesting with uh, hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like there's so many other artists that, for example, Public Enemies Fight the Power. It it became super famous and it was like the staple of Spike Lee's movie, Do the Right Thing. Mm-hmm. And um, then we also see like the first time where an artist kind of criticizes law enforcement. So you have fuck the police and um, that's where it kind of starts to happen. And I guess um, it's a huge luxury and a huge opportunity to be able to, you know, it's still commercialized, but you're still sending your message. You're still still fighting the fight in a sense. Yeah, it was kind of like a a way of storytelling, like they experienced, um, they might have experienced many hardships through their, through their youth. So most of these rappers in the golden age of hip hop expressed themselves in a new way that inspired many more to come. So yeah, like Malena said, Grandmaster Flash was one of the first that expressed himself in this way with his song, The Message, that had a lot of social statements in it. Yeah, and and it also gave a voice to the black community in New York and also in like the whole of the U.S. and 
other places. Um, because now it became um, cool and mainstream to listen to hip hop and it was a prominent black thing. And, you know, that was a, also a good step in the, the right direction to uh, fight racism. Small step, but uh, I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, it's a hu- it's a huge effort towards national unity. Um, and, you know, t- talking about the electronization of everything as TV became, you know, more normalized and uh, with MTV's popularity and stuff, um, everyone got to hear the message. And uh, New York stands out so prominently out of all these cities because... Um, it's a hub for so many minorities and so many different instances of injustice. So you have, you have racial injustice, you have police brutality, but you also have, you know, the gay struggle and you have, uh, uh, the, the fight towards, um, gender equality. And, you know, it's, it's such an idolized and iconic location that, you know, you don't see this in any other part of the U S I think, I think you make a good point. That makes a lot of sense. And it gives you a little bit even more of an overview of why New York is such an important place in this period. Uh, and it kind of kind of explains why so many art, so much art and so many different artists are from New York uh, or were able to make it in New York because it was it, it was just a very inspiring place to be. And I think when you look at the clubbing scene, the party scene in New York, and if you look at the audience or the people on the dance floor, the, it was really diverse, people from all ages and all races. And there seemed to be this kind of mesh of all different kinds of art and music styles. And that made it really exciting. And club culture became a very prominent feature of uh, New York. I mean, you could really say that the Saturday night jam really became mainstream in the city. It didn't. It was more than just mm-hmm. community based. It was a it was a space for non-judgment and complete inclusivity. Definitely, and it was definitely also a place for experimentation. Uh, for example, in uh, Club Fifty Seven, there were these uh, female wrestling nights. These women wouldn't actually wrestle or fight each other, but they would kind of put up an act. So they would dress up and they would um, pick up the trash from the streets and use that as decor. And they would kind of act out as if they were fighting each other. And that was kind of with the goal in mind to break the binary gender rules. Yeah, that's crazy, but like so much fun that, you know, there was so much freedom, freedom to experiment. And I think that's also kind of demonstrated in Blondie's song, uh, Rapture. For those who do not know, Blondie was probably one of the most well-known new wave bands out there. Uh, Also uh, originated from New York. They were incredibly popular, uh, also with the help of MTV. Um, But what's so special about this song is that they kind of did a crossover to uh, rap hip-hop and they actually mention Grandmaster Flash and the message uh, in this song. So it just shows how art and how different art and music styles were all combined and how artists were inspired by so many different elements in the city. Yeah, so that's I, really cool, I think. I, th- I think that is also kind of what we see more and more today as well, that 
a genre is it's not one genre or you can say this this song is this genre like now um genres have kind of like emerged a bit into each other like a song often has like elements from different songs uh genres sorry and um I think that is what we're kind of starting to see during the 80s because the 70s was very like this is disco and this is punk and this is you know like very separated and I think in the 80s we see kind of like they emerge a bit more um they start to explore more with the sounds you know music is becoming uh more electronic uh with DJing and um also uh, many people were skeptical of um of recording music up until like the 80s because they they meant that it was uh, music was reserved for partying and for concerts and social gatherings and it wasn't a leisure thing you know that you could just like play in your in your um, home whenever you wanted to but then as fairly mentioned you have MTV that commercialized this and you know the songs were playing all the time on MTV and uh, that was really really important for such artists as Blondie and Grandmaster Flash make them famous because they became more accessible and with music becoming more accessible then people were inspired by different sources of music and then we're back at what Ferdinand said like genres emerge into each other and mm. uh, I think that is a an interesting um, development we see during the 80s yeah and also to add to that like MTV just made music so much more visual like music videos became really important to create an image for the artist uh think about all those iconic uh, music videos from Michael Jackson like Thriller, Billie Jean. I think that's also where music meets visual art in a way. I've never thought about that music videos like when you look up songs from the 70s it's always from a concert. Like it's never a music video. Mm. I've never thought no. about that. That's a good point. Because now like you had music channels that always streamed music and they would earn more money if they had a catchy video. So I mean that's makes sense. Uh, but I feel like it really allows the artist to, you know, create its own st- like their own style and uh, exactly. you know, really make a brand out of themselves. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's an incredibly trend-setting uh, phenomena, I guess. And uh, yeah, I, I guess like dance moves become a bit popular in the process as well. Like things, dance moves that happen in the video, you start to see it becoming a trend, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I don't know exactly when Thriller was released, but uh, earlier you mentioned it. And, you know, everybody knows this, like, up with your hands and kind of this, this Thriller m- movement. I don't know how to describe it, but, like, for me... We just, all can visualize yeah, it. Yeah, you all and, see yeah, it. Yeah, we all know which one is. And, yeah, I think that is a result of music becoming more than music. It's, uh, as you, Maya said, like, it's a whole brand, you know? You're creating this image for each artist. Yeah, but, I mean... The popularization of broadcasting and the easy access of, you know, visual um, visual aids for music, it's um, it, it goes far beyond just like fashion and just popular dance moves. And, uh, you know, it, it is about sending a message, but it also it really it can address many stigmatized subjects, you know, people, uh, artists that wouldn't be allowed to have that platform. On other in other circumstances can completely change a, a live stream how they want to in a sense and um, one of the most iconic ones uh, of course it's at the peak of Queen's fame is their live aid performance for the Ethiopian famine at the time 
And then, um, but I mean, not a lot of people know. I mean, at the time, of course, not a lot of people knew that uh, the, the lead singer was diagnosed with AIDS at the time. And uh, it's quite a scandal, actually. You know, now we when we look back at it, and it's like we know more about the disease, but it's like it's it was such an unknown factor in so many people's lives, and it, so many people passed away from it. So many great artists, um, including Freddie Mercury, and um, you know, uh, other artists used it to talk about you know other stigmatized subjects like female sexuality. Who did that? I forgot. Um, I mean, there's many. Uh, you have, for example, uh, <laughs> Madonna. She did uh, Like a Virgin yeah. and kind of like singing about this concept of virgin, virginity. You know, these are kind of like taboo topics um, and kind of making like including them in a popular, uh, popular context that made it more acceptable for people to talk about. And you also have Cindy Lauper, the woman who sang Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. She also have a less famous song, but I think a much cooler song called She Bop, which means, uh, or like it, the whole song was about female masturbation. And I think to this day, female masturbation is still uh, stigmatized to talk about. I talk about it all the time. I don't know about you, but. Uh, I mean, uh, but like <laughs> media, and like I don't know. I feel like I feel like in media, posted it on Twitter. <laughs> it's uh, like it's uh, not as uh, talked about as uh, I male uh, masturbation. I think yeah, I true. think that's my perception of it. But um, I still I think, think in a way, male masturbation is kind of normalized, or it's kind of like you know. Yeah, exactly. I grew up in Turkey, and no one ever taught me about anything <laughs> we didn't have the we didn't have this until I think like my last year where they taught us about what condoms were or something it was like oh, that's yeah. all it was yeah exactly so I think it's really cool that already in yeah. the, during the 1980s like Cindy Lauper was like oh she pop and uh, then it's just this whole um, feminist kind of like empowerment that I think is really cool it's an unstoppable message now, like with MTV, with the radio and everything. The yeah. kids are going to hear what they're going to hear. You can't really yeah, can't exactly. alter it anymore. And also another fun, fun fact about Cindy Lauper was that she had this song, uh, this uh, campaign called uh, Women Against Pornography because she wanted to kind of uh, make a por- a pornography more um, equal or less sexist and kind of like move away from this over-sexualization of women. And uh, she abbreviated woman against pornography to what? I don't know if it could age very well or very badly, but I, I do think it's a, I think I would say it would age well. I, mean, I think it's very ironic. It. It's really ironic. <laughs> No, but I mean, that's interesting because I mean, I, I do know that that was a big, uh, that, that got a lot of attention, but you know, the eighties are also the, the rise of the supermodel as well. True. Uh, yeah. Like the, the concept of, of a supermodel didn't exist before the eighties. And that's also like a hypersexual, uh, hypersexual least connotated industry, I guess. Yeah. Um, paradox. Yeah, it is. But also, double paradox, you know, women can be whatever the fuck they want to be. Words.
Radiate Radio, your international sound wave. Sticking to the theme of um, New York, uh, New York was a lot more than um, just uh, hip hop and underground. You know, you also had uh, Broadway, and Broadway also kind of fo- followed the developments happening during the 1980s with you know, uh, feminism becoming more prominent and kind of like this focus on empowering women. Um, and that we can see that in the musicals that were produced during the 1980s, that um, that was becoming quite common that uh, there were female lead roles, which I think is really cool. Like you have, for example, like Flashdance, you have uh, Footloose, um, and there is uh, Dirty Dancing and Birdcage. And, you know, fame, uh, fame is set in New York even. So I think it's really interesting to see that there's this sudden change uh, from the 70s where um, musicals weren't really focused on women. And then in the 1980s, you have these super mega hits uh, that have been going on for um, Broadway ever since the 1980s, which, yeah, I think that kind of like demonstrates that there was kind of like a demand for uh, strong lead uh, female characters. Radiate Radio, your international sound wave. What's interesting about feminism during the 80s was that it, like during the 70s, it was more about legal legal rights and kind of like making women equal to men on paper, whilst uh, during the 1980s, it was more about empowering women and kind of giving them agency through media and um through arts and again what we talked about earlier about hip-hop becoming politicized you also see that with with music and art like it it becomes a tool to express yourself and to stand up for what you mean and your opinions and i think that is really oftentimes underestimated the power that music has and the influence it has on us Mm -hmm. definitely because um i well i do think music has always been a political tool because if you look at the 60s uh, there are a lot of songs uh, expressing criticism on the vietnam war um yeah i'm not saying that like the 1980s no of course the finish line you know but but um i think it became more normal and 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 uh, acceptable to have politicized the lyrics in their texts during the 80s Yeah, and I think, like, what we talked about before, like, since music was more commercialized and uh, accessible to more people, um, it's different than from, like, political criticism in music during the 70s, I feel like. Um, There was this art gallery in New York. There wasn't just, like, traditional art or classical art, but they also... Um, in the same gallery, they hung up uh, graffiti art, which kind of demonstrates that there was a new kind of appreciation for graffiti art. And it wasn't seen as vandalism anymore, but as an art form. And it's also really interesting that it was like in the same gallery with other types of art that was that was always been more accepted, I guess, by the art world, maybe, uh, or by art critics. So that also kind of indicates that, um, again, what we talked about, that there's more overlap between different art styles. I think what you're what you, you were trying to say really is um, is a great point. You really see 
what used to be connotated as, uh, you know, vandalism or delinquent art come up to the same level as traditional and high art. You know, you really see a redefinition of what what's in at the moment. Exactly. Which also shows how kind of nonsense it is, you know, trends change so fast at the end. <laughs> yeah, and that's also still very relevant today. Like graffiti artists get um, get hired to do wall paintings and stuff in like city centers or in parks. So it's still very relevant today. Yeah, you see The Hague, where most of us are right now, even though we're online, um, there are quite a few walls, um, buildings that are completely packed with graffiti or with uh, art that has, you know, like someone, as you said, David, like someone has been hired to make these things. And yeah, that kind of shows again, like the general theme of this, this episode is kind of like, it starts as like a rebellious thing. It starts underground and then people are like, hey, this is actually really cool. And then people start using it and commercializing it, making it mainstream. And then we we find new ways to rebel because you can't rebel against or like with something that is mainstream. Yeah, good point. So I think that's how like, we would always have these kind of like underground um, communities or not a community but like events and parties and because we want to rebel that's what we do (laughs) (laughs) at least i do i don't know (laughs) radiate radio your international sound wave thank you all for listening to radiate's revoyager podcast this time about the 80s and make sure to check out our 80s playlist and add us on instagram at radiate radio